Carolina, and this recording is from one of our church services. For more information, visit our website at churchofphiladelphia.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the message. We're going to dive into the Word of God. We understand that, you know, we've been talking about upside-down living. And, you know, as we've been talking about upside-down living from a kingdom perspective, it's so on point with where we're at. You know, it's so very progressive for uh, where we're at as a church, uh, how we're supposed to respond to the times that we're in right now. Uh, you know, it's very easy to be able to lose that perspective. It's very easy to be able to lose that kind of perspective and kind of get on the social justice perspective or get on these other different, not saying that the kingdom does not line up with those things, uh, but we want to make sure that we, do, we don't leave the kingdom perspective to, you know, get on other perspectives. You know, this is what's supposed to infiltrate every part of our life. And, and as you can see, it's, going, it's really what's going to cause us to live in an upside down kind of way. I mean, it's not going to be like other people uh, live generally. It's going to kind of be going against the culture. Have you ever seen one of those little fishes on the back, back of people's cars? Uh, the Christian symbol is going, you know, right to left because it's symbolizing that we go opposite. We go against the, the grain of the culture. And this is why there's so much conflict sometimes, why there's a lot of hatred about, um, or even anger or debate about who Jesus Christ truly is, whether he is, the, you know, truly the son of God and all these different things. When you believe on him, um, it causes you to be, to, to have to live in an upside down way, you know, because it's not going to go according to how the culture is doing things. Amen. So we've been uh, just being enjoying and being fed from this, from this uh, sermon series. Uh, you know, on a weekly basis here. It's been a, it's been a joy. Amen? Amen. Uh, so before we get into the word, <clears throat> we want to um, do our decree for the word. We want to do our decree for the word. And, you know, as we decree over the word, we speak this into our own lives. You know, we speak this into our hearts, our minds, our spirits. You know, we speak this into our homes and how we are able to uh, receive the word of God. Amen. This is the Bible says when we decree a thing, it is established. Amen. So this is what we are establishing every week into our lives. So we should be hearing more sharply. We should our hearts should be more open. Our spirits should be more open to receive the word. So what do we decree? I decree. It's got to make it personal. I decree that my ears, heart, and spirit are open to receive the engrafted word of God, which is quick, alive and powerful, active, in the spirit of meekness. The ground of my life is fertile to nurture and grow the seed of God's word that will produce fruit in my life this week. I am a successful doer of what I will hear today, and I will leave here today full of faith, love, power, wisdom, and victory. Amen. Amen. Well, y'all just give God some praise if you're going to leave here full Hallelujah, of victory, full of faith, full of power, full of love, full of wisdom. Amen, amen, amen. This is what we are establishing in our lives. Amen, amen. So while you, you know, grab your device, let's go to Matthew uh, chapter 18. And this morning, as we, you know, begin to, you know, get another installment of our sermon series here, uh, we're going to be talking about, and we're going to go to verse 15. We're going to be talking about the modern day church, the modern day church. 
uh, with a subtopic, the missing key, the missing key. Uh, and when we're talking about this modern day church, uh, you know, I kind of want to focus on where we are now. You know, a lot of the church is scattered. You know, a lot of the church is not really joining face to face that much anymore. Um, you know, whether it be big ministries, smaller ministries, mega ministries, all, you know, this, this shifting of what is happening in this world has really shifted even the way that we are actually gathering as a church. Uh, and we know, you know, if you really date back and look into, you know, the first century church, when they were scattered, this is when there was a spread, actually, of the gospel. So sometimes, sometimes things happen and God allows things to happen and he still uses it as his, you know, uh, to, to his good and for his glory and for his will. In his wisdom, he knows how to use those things. So during this time where we're kind of scattered, you know, you may not see each other that much. You may not, we're not coming together and worshiping all in one place, whether it's here virtually. Of course, you know, they didn't have that in the first century. Um, so they was going house to house or they was actually, you know, as they were scattered, they was going to different regions. And in that scattering, you know, there was, there was something that happened because a lot of times when, when a church begins to, or even a group of people begins to uh, meet together a lot, or, you know, really just human nature, we get comfortable, you know, and this is causing all of us on a global scale, really, to have to shift the way we're doing life, doing business, um, the way that people are graduating. You know, I went to graduation yesterday. Congratulations uh, to all the all of the graduates. Amen. Uh, but the, the way that people are graduating, the way that people are, you know, now going to school, if they're going to go to school, is so much uncertainty that we're dealing with. And you know, as the church, what do we do? You know, as the church that is scattered to a certain extent. What should be our focus? What should be the things that we should be looking at? And I want to be talking about the missing key today. Amen? Amen. Amen. So when we go to Matthew chapter 18, we're going to go to verse 15. And, you know, uh, we're going to kind of just read through just a little bit. I'm going to be pausing here and there just a little bit. I want you to take your pen and papers out so you can take some notes. Uh, we're going to be, you know, just hitting on a few different topics. Uh, and We'll get into what that missing key is if you hold on. Amen? Amen. So in verse 15, it says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Right? So we know, we understand now when we understand that Christ here is basically talking about um, conflict. Talking about when stuff happens you know, between brothers, meaning between those that are in the same fellowship, in the same body. Um, we know the church, the church is the ecclesia, the called out ones, the ones that assemble together. We assemble together now virtually, and, uh, but I want to kind of expand what the church really is, man. I want to expand that, you know, because we hear a lot of people saying, you know, the church is not the building. You see posts, you see all these different things. Uh, you know, the church is not the building. The church is the us, the people. And more time, you know, more than ever right now, this is something that we really, really, really have to begin to really not just believe, but begin to walk out because um, the church is not the 
church is not where you go and worship. The church is the people who go and worship their God. The church is the, the people who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for their soul salvation. That's the church. It is the people who are called out of the culture to now live an upside-down life, to now live now from a kingdom perspective, the perspective that Jesus began to come and give to his people. You know, so now, you know, the church is the ones who are called out to, to, to live according to this truth. And this truth causes, you know, it, it changes the way that we do things, change the way that we respond, change the what we look at to be true you know, in the earth, what we look at to be true about ourselves, what we look at to be false, what we look at to be uh, evil, what we look at to be good, it is what shapes everything, you know? So even in conflict resolution, and it's something for me, uh, for me, it's something that, you know, Christ would take the time, it's always been kind of, you know, uh, you know, amazing to me that he would take the time to give these instructions this early before the church is even put together in a sense. You know, he was forming and establishing, doing the work to be able to establish the foundation of the church that we would actually be able to be a part of to this day. Uh, so he's looking at there's going to be some trespass, meaning that if you have a group of people together and we understand the church is the people, that it is the people that come together, it is something that's going to happen from time to time, right? But what he's saying is he, he begins to give us some steps here on how we should deal with one another, you know? And I don't know about you, but when you go to a church, you deal with a lot of different people, you know? Um, you know, even as we begin to broaden this out, you deal with different people every day. Everybody's different than you. Everybody's different than me. Everybody is different. So there's going to be some friction at times. There's going to be some misunderstandings. There's going to be some uh, things that can be mis mishandled or people. You Sometimes you can mishandle a person, not mean to. Sometimes you can mishandle a person that you meant to. You know, that, you know sometimes there's going to be some revenge. There's going to be some anger. There's going to be some coldness that we deal with because we're dealing with another person and they're dealing with you. Amen. So, you know, as we're talking about this church, us being the church, us making, we, we making up the church, we have to deal with these things because the church's function is not just to come and worship. And, it, well, and it's not just to come and worship in the sense of the assembling together of ourselves, you know, as far as in that moment. It's not just, it is what it is. It is the function of actually how the kingdom of God gets established in the earth is through the church, through me, through you, through us. Meaning it's not through the building. It's not through programs because there'd be no building if there wasn't people. There'd be no programs if there weren't people. You know, there'd be no worship services if there weren't people. So the people is what make up the church. So how we relate one to another is so important to how the kingdom of God is able to be translated, first of all, in our homes, and then secondly, in our communities and to each other. You know, so when someone does something against you, and I'm not going to be talking on conflict resolution that much this morning, um, you know, as far as just how we deal with each other, we're going to be talking about a couple of other things. Amen. 
So we understand that the church is a called out body of people who have come together to, to, to worship in not just moments as far as just, you know, how we come together and worship and song and singing and the breaking up of the word and the fellowship and all these different, all these different things of worship. But it's not just that worship that we're talking about. We're talking about the worship of life, of living, of every day. Uh, we understand the highest form of worship that we've always said is our obedience to God. Our obedience to God and our obedience to God has a lot to do with how we deal with the, our, our fellow brothers, sisters, spouse, children, uh, boss, whoever it is, it has a lot to do with that. Our obedience to God is not hidden. It can be seen or not seen. It's going to affect somebody or it's, it's not going to affect them. Meaning if I'd be disobedient, and really that's going to affect them too, but it's not going to affect them in the way that it should That when if I was obedient to God. Amen? So the modern day church in this day and time we have seen, you know, such a decline even in church uh, participation, even in church, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, as people come in and become a part of the church, church membership, um, church bodies. That, you know, we see some churches getting bigger, some churches getting smaller, but now you see it's such an even playing now. It's an even playing because. You know, I was talking to Pastor Lincoln one day. He said, you know, people can go to about four or five services a day now. I mean, we, I go to about three every Sunday, <laughs> you know. So, you know, people can go and visit churches like no other. You're talking about church hopping is so easy now because now all you got to do is log off and log back on somewhere else. You know? Or go on to Facebook Live somewhere else. Go to this, go to that, you know. And people got multiple services in the day and all these different things, you know. So it, it is so easy and so available. This is such an opportunity for us as a body, as a church, as a people. Amen. So I want to I want to give you more purpose about why you are part of this church. I want to tell you that even though we're not meeting together face to face, we still love you. We we still, you know, we miss y'all. You know, we miss the fellowship, but that's still a purpose of why you come on, you log in, that you're still here, that you're still a part, that you come and you hear the word and you come and fellowship with us. There's still purpose behind what God wants to do in your life through us being together as a local body and how the kingdom of God is supposed to be translated through your life. Amen? It's a lot of purpose in that. Amen? So uh, it says here, now, this is healthy confrontation. If I have a problem with you, I should go to you, right? If I have an issue with you, I should go to you. If there's something that's going on with me, not you, you did something to me, whether you, whether you meant to or not, I should go to you. Why? Why am I going to you? I'm going to you because the relationship is more important than the trespass. The relationship, our connection is so important. It's more important than my anger. It's more important than my offense. It's more important than what's going on with me. Our connection weighs more heavy as far as what's going to happen, not just in my life, but in our lives, in, in, in our community, in our city, in our country, you know, it, it's so important because this is one of the ways that the enemy, and I believe this is why Christ took the time to go through this because he said, look, I, I have to clear this up because this is such a, I have to give you a strategy to make this right 
because I know that this is a strategy that the enemy is going to use. This is a strategy. And if we really look at it, it's a strategy that not only that has he used, but he's been very, very, very successful in some places in our lives that when trespasses come, when someone does us wrong, whether they meant to or not, there are things that, that you know, that, that begin to mess up on the inside of us. And something is lost, you know, that we're not able to gain until we make that relationship right. But not only is something lost between those two people, but something is lost within the body, something is lost within the earth because of the disconnection of these two people. Can you believe that your connections are that important? Do you believe that your connections are that important? The people that you know, not by happenstance. We don't believe in a God of coincidence. It is on purpose that you know these people. It's on purpose that you that you have met these people in this time of your life, that we know each other, that we have fellowship together. It is on purpose because there's something that we supposed to not only gain from one another, there's something that we supposed to minister to one another. There's, there are things that are supposed to happen in, in each other's lives because of the connection that we have. Amen. So what happens is if, if the enemy can come between that connection, and we see this now with the modern day church, the modern day church, and we're not just talking about modern day, we're talking about from the church all the way from the beginning. We see how early Jesus is dealing with this. Um, you know, but the modern day church, it is very easy. We see people very easily. There's so many churches to go to, so many places to go and worship. There's so many things that, you know, so, hey, I don't like the way you did this. I'm gone, you know, because we're not looking at the, the value of the relationship. We're looking at the church as a service or something that is supposed to serve us instead of something that we should, a relationship that we're supposed to be a part of. Amen. So in verse 16, it says, but if he would not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more witnesses that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Look at this. Now, the first verse says, you know, if he hears you, if your brother hears you, then you have gained a brother. But now, and this is what we say, well, this person ain't hearing me, they're not listening to me. Well, Christ said, look, bring some other people in. So in the mouth of two or three witnesses, this thing can be established. What is being established? Truth is being established. Truth. When, when, when a body comes together, truth is established. Boundaries are established. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you know what we, how we, what we say can. I'm trying not to get into the next part. I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. So excuse me. Uh, what we say can and cannot happen is established. What we say is right and wrong is established. Right. This is how powerful just two people, two or three people getting together. Right, because we see in the first in, the, in verse fifteen, you don't have to go back, but in verse fifteen, look, a brother is gained and trespasses are resolved, and you know that that you know it, what happens is it begins to stop something that was supposed to do damage. It begins to stop something that was supposed to do damage. But if that person will not hear you, then damage is being done. Right, and I don't know about you, but I don't like not being hurt. I don't know. One of my pet peeves, I don't have many, but one of my pet peeves is if we are talking, don't interrupt. Don't just, 
do not interrupt. I, I almost feel like fighting when that happens. I mean, don't try to overtalk me because you don't want to listen. Because if I can sit down and listen to you, don't try to overtalk me because you don't want me to prove that you're wrong or you just don't want to hear my side. Because if, there's no way we're going to come to a place of agreement if we can't hear each other. We got to be able to hear. And we understand that this is one of the things that we, we have to be able to do, not just with God, because a lot of, we want to hear from God, but we don't want to hear from each other sometimes. I got to be able to hear your heart, even though I don't, even though I don't agree with you. I got to be able to hear you. Not just, not just hear your words, but hear what you say. I got to be able to hear past what you say. Right? So he says, look, next stage is, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, go get one or two more people. Get some more people involved. So in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So we can begin to settle this thing, right? So in verse 17, like I said, we're kind of going to be moving through this because I got a few verses that I want to go to. Say, and, and, if, and if he shall neglect to hear them, not just not one person now, tell it to the church. Tell it to the whole church. Tell it to Tell it to a, a bigger body of believers so we can begin to judge what is right from wrong. So we can begin to judge what, 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 you know, what is going to be allowed and what's going to be disallowed. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a public. Because if he neglect to hear from the whole body, if he or she neglects to hear from the whole body and they do not listen, this person cannot begin to believe that, that now you're going to be treated as a brother because you're not listening to the brother in or the sister in, you know? You're not listening to the body. You're not listening to the called out ones. And so therefore, you're saying, I don't want to be in agreement with you guys. I don't want to be in agreement. And because you want to be in this, and when we want to be in disagreement, because I just don't want to let, I don't want to let go of my stance. I don't want to let go of what I think. I don't want to let go of my opinion. There's no way that we as a body can affect a culture, can affect a city, can affect uh, even a household, a family. We can't, we, it, it is impossible for us to do that. Amen. So and when we go to verse 18, verse 18, and this can kind of be getting into the meat of what I'm going to be talking about. So very last saying to you, that whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loose on heaven. What is, why is he saying this after this? Because this is not just talking about just prayer. It's not just talking about me saying I bind this and I loose this. It's not just talking about it. It is talking about how I handle my relationship. How I handle my relationship with you and how you handle your relationship with me, us as a church, affect what heaven is, can do and cannot do. And this is kind of going to be a little bit of a continuation from last week as we talked about, because it really stood out to me, how the unity and how the one accordness of King Jehoshaphat 
the second Chronicles chapter 20 actually brought a whole nation together and how God began to respond so quickly, how God began to, so the threat now, if we was to really look at this and, and, and put it into this context, as they begin to go to God in unity and, and there was no issue, as far as they went to God in unity and as they went to God in unity and in agreement, they was able to bind the things that were trying to come against them. But if, just think about this. If there would have been the, the division in, in the camp, if there would have been, you know, uh, you know, a rising up against one another in the camp and all these different things, then they, would, they, were not, they wouldn't have been able to get the answers that they needed. They possibly could have been facing defeat, death, being overtaken. And this is why it's such an effective strategy, you know, even as we are scattered, Right, uh, you know this. This is a time where you know I hope by this by this time we have dealt with a lot of issues at home. We have dealt with a lot of issues that we've had in our hearts as things have slowed down. And when I know for sure, when things slow down, the stuff that's in your heart begins to come to a to come to the surface. The stuff that you've been running over, working over, been too busy to deal with, been too sleepy to deal with. When things begin to slow down, oh, all that stuff you have to face it. So people that you may have an issue with, and it may not be in this particular body, but because you are part of the church, maybe you have an issue with your mother. Maybe you could have an issue with your father. You could have issues with, you know, siblings. You can have issues with other people. This stuff in us begins to lose or really it binds up, you know, heaven. It binds up what God wants to do, and it looses other things. It loses evil. It loses havoc into our lives. It loses bad behaviors into our lives. A bad understanding. What well, truth just doesn't make sense to us sometimes. Right? So when we look at this word bind, bind, bind means to fasten with chains, to throw into chains, or to put under obligation or to forbid or prohibit and to declare to be illicit. So we as a body, we as a body, when we come together and say, you know what, because this is why Christ was saying this now. So now I want to put this all into all into context. He was saying, look, if you can get this right just between you two, then now you have now just you know destroyed what, what was trying to come in between you and the body. You, you have destroyed that. But if you can't, then bring more other people in. And if you bring more other, if you bring other people in, what'll happen is now we can begin to look at this thing for what it is and we can say, okay, this is what we know. We can't have this. Or this is what needs to happen. There's judgment. So this is why it makes no sense for you to be dealing with or me to be dealing with or us to be dealing with situations in our life and don't want to be judged. We have looked at, the culture has made judgment as a bad thing. Judgment is needed in every part of life. All it is is discernment, being able to say, you know what, this is right, this is wrong. No, you're right. No, know what, you're wrong. What it does is it fastens the chains of what is right and wrong, it, it, it establishes truth. 
Sometimes we need somebody to tell us, you're wrong. You're wrong. The way you're looking at this is wrong. The way you're doing this is wrong. And it's hard for us to handle that sometimes, but, but that's why we need each other. We need each other to be like, mm, you're wrong. You are wrong. You, 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 that, that's not the way you spoke. Or sometimes we need somebody to say, no, you're right. You, you're right, because I don't know about you. There's been times where I've wondered, like, am I really right on this? I mean, I'm upset about it, but am I right? I'm, a, you know, I'm mad about it, but am I right? You know, and, you know, and, and sometimes you need other people to come in to be able to establish what you're looking at, what, what's going on with you, so you can be able to say, you know what, this is right, this is wrong. This is not the function. And what I'm trying to say is the fun, the function of the church. One of the functions of the church is not just to come together and worship, but it is to affect the culture by showing the culture what is right and what is wrong. Showing the culture truth. To bind up and throw into chains those things that are false, those things that are unjust, those things that, that come to destroy society. And now it, when a church was scattered, like I said, in the first century, that church was scattered. It scattered the gospel. So now that you have more time, it, could, it shouldn't be that we reach out to less people. It should be that we reach out to more because you have more time to reach out to more people. For some of us, you know. I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, everybody's just sitting at home. You know, some of us, your schedule has not changed. And so for some people, your schedule got even more heavy. So, amen. You know, but what I'm trying to say is this. Your role is important. I don't care. You don't need a title for your role to be important. God does not look at, okay, well, because you're not a pastor, you're not a prophet, you're not an apostle, you're not this, you're not that. It, he doesn't look, he look at the body as a whole. It's okay, what's going on over here in this part of the body? What's going on over here in this, this person's life? What's going on over here in this person's uh, home? Can you help them? Can you assist them? Can you know, and that's where we got to be able to let other people in to be able to help us, to assist us, even when you're tired of getting that assistance, even when you don't like the assistance, even when you, you, know, you don't agree with the assistance. You got to be able to help because sometimes we don't know what's right. Amen? So now to loose, to loose means to, to loose a person tied or fastened to unbind or loose one bound, to dissolve anything bound, tied or compacted together. Now, I like this one, the last part, to deprive authority, to overthrow and to dissolve something coherent into parts. This is why it's needed for us to sit down and have conversations. And then during this time, what the Lord began to deal with me, he said, now the rest of the world is be trying to be more open to have hard conversations. Will the church? Will the church be open to have hard conversations? And I know we're in a body where you know, we deal with difficult things sometimes to the point where folks get tired. You know, I don't know about you. Sometimes I've got tired. I don't want to talk about it. I'm going to keep on talking about it. I'm going to keep on talking about it, right? You've gotten tired you know, dealing with those difficult things. But, you know, and I thank God that we're in a body that we can do that, right? And that's not everywhere. For some places, you know, they're just not catching up. 
But I wouldn't say that we've talked about it. I wouldn't say that we've dealt with every hard issue. I wouldn't say that, you know, that we have taught or given a voice to every person that needs to be able to have a voice for us to have a greater understanding about where we're at. I want to tell you teenagers that you have a voice. I want to tell you young people that you have a voice to be able to say, hey, look, this is what I think about this. Because things can have authority over us because we're in disagreement. And we can say, I bind and loose all day, but he's like, well, you're in agreement through your actions. So where you're trying to break this, 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 uh, you're trying to dissolve this thing that's coherent, you're trying to dissolve it into parts through your mouth. You can't do it through your mouth only. It has to be that you get untied through your actions. So I want to, I want to challenge you. Challenge you. Look, how, how, how is it that you can look at certain things and, or, you know, look at your actions and say, well, I know it may not be right, but I'm still doing it. You're in agreement with something that's not right. You're in agreement with something that, that, that is going to cause you to be in disagreement with the body that you've been called out to. And now, when I say this body, I want to I I break this down just a little more as we lead it to some other places. This ain't talking about just the body of the church or just the church of Philadelphia or the church as a whole. I'm talking about the body as, as far as just us being the church and you being at home. <laughs> you know, you you still the church at home. You, we're still called out supposed to live a certain type of life, supposed to live an upside down life at home. That's where it's supposed to be seen the most. Not just outside the doors, but inside the doors. For some of us, this is where we may need to give some of our children maybe a ear, or not just an ear, but give them uh, a, a voice to be able to say, well, what is it that you've seen in my life that is, you know, opposite of what I preach or what I say I believe? Tell me the truth. Because there could be a disconnect now because when I begin to tell you or we want to share with you this gospel, you have a disrespect because you come at me a certain type of way. I'll tell you a story real quick since I got a little bit of time. Uh, my dad... My dad got saved later in life. So I saw him uh, drinking, smoking. You know, we would go to church, get up in the morning, and he was just getting up to get ready, you know, watch the football game. Uh, so he had the 40 sitting out and all this other stuff. And I would see him while we'd go to church. You know, I went to apostolic church then at times. So, you know, we was in church a long time. You know, so <laughs> I was, you know, we had left. But for the pastor, the preacher, an hour and a half, two hours was no issue. No, I would go to sleep and wake back up, and he still would be preaching. God, you know what I'm saying? Like, it would be 4 o'clock, we getting out, we got to go home, eat, and my mom was saved. Saved for real, so we would have to go back at 7 for the night service. We'd get home to 11 o'clock. You know, sometimes it was just like, oh, my God, what is really going on, you know? So... But, you know, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about the presence of God. The presence of God, that's the first place where I met the presence of God. It's the first place where God touched my heart. Um, for real, and I know that he touched my heart. He changed something in me that's never gone back, you know, at a young age. 
So, um, but what happened is, as he got saved, when he got saved, um, you know, I respected what he was doing and stuff like that. But my dad had sometimes anger issues that he dealt with. You know, so there was a time that I did something wrong. I did do something wrong. I didn't think I did anything wrong because I was a teenager, and I thought I knew everything, right? Because uh, most teenagers think you know everything because you're 16, 17, 18, and you think you got life figured out, and you're so far away from that. I know you don't like hearing it, but you'll understand it in about four years. Um, so I did something wrong. Folks were helping him out. I wasn't helping him out. He went off. Went off on me, went off on my brother. I was like, my brother ain't had nothing to do with it. I wasn't crazy enough to be talking back. No, I wasn't crazy enough. My dad had a bad, you know, at that time he had a bad temper. You know, not that he blew up a lot, but when he blew up, it was bad. You know? So he snapped. And from that point, because now he's in the church, he's a minister, he's preaching the gospel. Oh, he cussed. You know, he cussed. He got upset, you know, and everything. Now, I, I didn't have the maturity to know that, okay, just because you say doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be perfect, right? Um, I didn't know that, you know, at the time. And I didn't really expect that from him. But what I did expect from him was an apology because it made me upset to the point I wanted to do something to him, like literally in my heart. I hated him because of what he did because of how he handled me in that moment, right? So now this is when we talk about the kingdom at home. Don't mean you're going to be perfect, but the kingdom at home, how are you going to clean it up? So he began, you know, he waited a while. I still was upset. Still was upset. I was still going out and helping him and stuff like that. But I had to, like, started shutting down. Didn't want to talk to him, right? And as I started shutting down, he came back and apologized, but I didn't feel like it was a, like a real apology, you know? Uh, he kind of just made me laugh or whatever, of course, because I love him. You know, I started laughing or whatever and everything, but he didn't really ever really apologize. So, you know, I took that as, well, if you're saved, like, why couldn't you even just come back and apologize to me? You know what I'm saying? Like, I know I did something wrong, but I wasn't trying to apologize to me because I was too upset. You know, so it was a bad situation, but it got in the way of me going to God for a little while. You know, and we didn't talk about it till years later, you know. So when I say you may want to give your child some uh, space to be able to say, hey, this is how this affected me. Because you don't know what stumbling block you putting in front of a little one that, that, that Jesus is looking like, mm -mm, I don't care how much you know. You're putting a stumbling block in front of one that knows a whole lot less. You should be cast into the Right? So what I'm saying is we have to bring that kingdom home. The kingdom of God has to be at home. Right? So when we go to verse 19 here, this is going to be one of the major parts that we're going to be talking about is, again, I said to you that if two of you shall agree on earth. Now, this word agree means uh, to agree together or to be harmonious, to be harmonious. 
meaning I don't have to make the same sound as you. And, 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 and to be harmonious means that we sound good together, but we don't make the same sound. Meaning I don't have to think with the way you think. I don't have to, and this is where some people say, well, agree to disagree. Meaning, okay, yes, we can agree that, you know what, we look at this thing two different ways. We, and if we look at this thing two different ways, it doesn't necessarily mean that both of us are wrong every time, or one of us is wrong, one of us is right every time. It could mean that you have two different perspectives, and both of your perspectives are right, but what do we focus on? Do we need to, you know, uh, do we need to fall out every time? You know, just because you don't think what I think or you don't look at it the way I look at it, right? This is how we deal with differences in the body because not in the modern day church, in this church, you deal with so many differences in people, the way that they look at life and millennials and everything, you know, how they look at everything, looking at the whole world, that some of this stuff they feel like is antiquated, it's old, all these other things, right? But some of this is right in our own home. It's right in our own home. Right there in our own home. We, at times, because we can't, we have not learned how to play our role with somebody else's role. There's not a symphony going on. And that's actually the Greek word for this is symphonio. It is the word that we get symphony from. Symphonies are not played with one instrument. <laughs> They're played with many different instruments that, that have now become together to begin to make this sound. And this is what agreement is to God. It is a sound of these two people, though they are different, they have come together on this issue and maybe even conceded, meaning I have come off of my, you know, my issue a little bit, you know, come off my soapbox a little bit to meet you in the middle. We see the world being forced to do this to a certain extent now when it comes to this issue of race, right? But will you force yourself to do this at home when it comes to the kingdom? Meaning, when you force yourself to do this when it comes to different things that you have, have been believing God for, can we agree that, you know, I don't have to be like you to be right? Can we agree that you don't have to say it the way I say it for us to say the same thing? <laughs> can we agree that I may sound different than you, but it doesn't mean that I'm any lesser than you? I may think differently than you. Right? So and he says, look, if they would agree on earth touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Look at this. If we would agree, you're just talking about two people. Two. Two people. Two people. The church. Two people. Not just the whole body. For most of our houses, you know, you got at least two people. And I got something for you, even if you're by yourself. <laughs> you know, it could just be two people. Two people who say, you know what, we agree on this. Boom. And because we agree on this, we, we're not going to, though I may look at it differently than you, we still agree. This is going to be one of the power of the church 
and or, or the missing key of us actually coming together and making decisions because there are going to be some things that are going to be called upon us to step up and do. There are going to be opportunities that's going to come out of a lot of these things that we're looking at for the church, for the kingdom of God to rise and for God to get the glory. Don't be mistaken that God is really, really planning something, even in the midst of this, that not just something about race needs to shift, but the glory of God, the, the brightness of who he is has to come forward even during this time. The stage is being set. This is a time where we need to have these conversations and have a greater understanding about who we are as a body, why we come together and worship, why we should be praying for one another, why we have to get conflicts right in a timely manner, not, not weeks later, not years later, in a timely manner, right? Because if we do that, then, you know, if we wait a long time, it messes up a lot of things. It opens up the doors to a lot of things. Amen. So let's go to First uh, Peter chapter 3. And I don't have that much time. Amen. And I got a couple other places to go. All right. I hope y'all staying with me. Amen. If you're in the bed, don't go to sleep. If you're in the bed, you might want to sit up. Amen. So even as Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord, whose daughter's ye are as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Give me verse 7. Now verse 7 says, look, likewise ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Heirs together. Heirs together. Right? That your prayers be not hindered. Your prayers be not hindered. This is, this is because uh, and this is where, you know, I don't have a lot of time. But the, the, what the Lord began to bring back to me is a, a while ago, years ago, my, my God began to deal with me about why uh, things were not working well between me and my wife. When I say working well, meaning like we wasn't fussing all the time, but, you know, we would fall out, you know, get things right. You know, it is because, uh, and then really what was happening, even the prayers we were doing together, they weren't really moving anything. You know, we wasn't making any progress in life. Um, we wasn't, you know, really moving in the same direction. That's what God had to show me. So though she loves you, though you love her, y'all are not in agreement with the unspoken things, with the things that the, the, the viewpoints and the way that you look at life, y'all are not in agreement. And because there's a lack of agreement, and this is the missing key, that there's a lack of agreement, things are hindered. Because she don't want to give up her stance and you don't want to give up yours. Because you feel like you're right and she feel like she's right. And I don't want to just put this just in marriage, right? If we look at this as far as the church is concerned, the church is concerned, we're talking about agreement. We're talking about agreement. This is what happened. Our prayers are hindered. Our prayers are hindered. No matter how loud we get, no matter how, you know, because we talk about this is still covenant. Right? Uh, no matter how loud we get, no matter even how much faith we have, the, the disagreement on the inside, the disagreement in us moving in oneness together, the disagreement of us actually saying, you know what, we're trying to get this together. Not saying, I don't care what you're going to do. I don't care what's going to happen to you. No, that's not a time for this, right? Uh, it, it is time for us to be in agreement that our prayers may be quickly answered. This stuff is not hindered, right? 
Sometimes we can want things out of time. Meaning you want a person to be at a certain place and it ain't time. It's their process, right? This is something I had to learn. This is something my wife had to learn about each other. Can I be a part of the process of getting that person there to that time? Can I be with them until they get there at that time? It's a process. It's not, it doesn't happen overnight. But what happens is because we feel like, well, I'm in a certain place in that particular place. I'm already there. You should be there too. I'm telling you how to get there. All you got to do is get there. I'm telling you what to do. All you got to do is do it. They process things differently than you. They're a different person than you. They have a different instrument. We in a symphony. We in a symphony together. They are, they are, they have a different instrument. You don't have the same instrument that they have. Because in some places, they do stuff better than you. Right? And that's the way it is in a church, in a body. All of us are different. But if I let what I do well make me be better, or when I try to instruct you in this place where I do, I may do well, or I may just be further along, and I instruct you out of a prideful place, out of just, you know, you just, you just, you need to get this together right now. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, and I'm not saying there's not a place for that, okay? I, I don't believe in soft, uh, uh, you know, cotton candy church, okay? Please, 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 please. Because human nature is, is not soft. The human nature is stubborn and evil without God. So I don't believe in no rebuke. And I don't believe in all of that kind of stuff. I don't believe in that. Amen. Uh, but I do believe that at times we can be, we, we're not, if you're going to rebuke somebody or deal with somebody, deal with them in a manner that you want to be able to, that you're willing, that you're invested in the process. Not that you are just invested in the moment. You got to be invested in the whole process. Otherwise, when we come together and pray, seek God, and let me just say this, how much time had we wasted? Many times that we came together and we had a chance to worship. Now folks wanting to be able to come together and worship. But there were so many times, and look at it, it only takes two. But we had so many times where people just, when we would come together and try to worship, try to pray, try to do these different things. There would be no harmonious things going on. We were not in agreement, not moving in the same direction. Where it seemed like there was a struggle. But why? All the times that we had. No, take this time to say, you know what, God, I repent for having a chance to be able to be in your presence with your people, and I just stood there. I just stood there. I was just, you know what I'm saying? I repent. I, I It was me that, I, you know, I wasn't trying to get into his presence sometimes. It was me that wasn't trying to do what I needed to do sometimes. I repent. Because if we all come together in one purpose, we're able to make more headway. And that, but that takes agreement. And that may take a conversation. Meaning you may not, even if the conversation is, well, I don't know how to pray. Well, I don't know how to worship. I don't know what 
how to read my Bible. I don't know, well, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm mad about this week. It may take conversations to get to a place of agreement. It's probably going to take conversation. Because you know what? Our prayer, this is why the connection is so important. Because the prayer has to get through. Man, some of us being held up, praying, spitting, crying, worshiping, sobbing, almost in depression because we, we don't, we fail to keep on having the conversation that we need to have in a way that will cause us to deal with not only the person, but deal with ourselves in the midst of the conversation that we have. We need to be able to have this conversation and say, you know what? Well, you tell me and be open. You tell me what, what it is that, you know, you need to talk to me about. And then people got to, you got to be honest enough to say something that may offend that person. Because sometimes some offense or some anger or something needs to be touched for us to get to agreement. Something that they don't like. Nobody likes to be wrong. Nobody. Everybody thinks they're right. On time. I think I'm right all the time too. <laughs> who, who doesn't think that they're right? Especially if you don't put some thought into it. But you got to be able to come to a conversation and now say, you know what? I'm willing to come together with you. Come on, let's go. And this is my last part. Because we talking about that's the church at home. They don't take but two people. Two people. It's the church at home. How much disagreement is in your house? If you were, because this is what I was concerned about. I was concerned about the money. We was moving so slow. And God was like, I can't give you, I can't begin to bless this or answer this prayer because it's hindered. The enemy know y'all ain't, ain't in agreement. It's hindered. And because it's hindered, I can't, no, I can't, I can't move like that. I'm waiting for y'all to bind this contract to make this agreement and to say, you know what, this is binding. To throw this thing into chains, <laughs> to secure it. And waiting for y'all to, to loose those things that, that are holding you back. Loose that mindset, to loose that, to tear down that, that mindset that, that holds you back. That you, underneath all of your validations and your argument, you feel like you're smarter than them. Loose that. Loose that. Let that go. Dissolve that. Destroy that. Or other, because it's the underneath stuff that causes us to be in disagreement. You can go to the next one. First uh, John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, then I'm going to let you guys go. Amen. Saying this is the confidence we have in him that if we ask, this is it, even if you're by yourself, if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. So even if you say, well, I ain't got a whole bunch of people around me like that all the time, right? Now you're still in the church, so all everything else still applies. Right? Because you still got other people, you know, that are around you that you're connected to. But even if when it's just you and God, just you and God, he that, that this agreement 
begins to, because I'm asking according to his will, I'm in agreement with God, so he hears me. He hears me, give me verse 15. And because he hears me, then I, I can have this confidence, and then what, and, we, and if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. So we know we got it. This is about prayers, stuff being, because as the body of Christ comes together, we're not just praying for, and I hope in this time, we're not just praying for, and I know it's not this case, this body, we're not just praying for ourselves, but we're praying for a nation, a world that is going through a lot. You know, we're praying for a, a, a place, you know, where we're at and how we can be agents of change also, how we can get our lives in a, in a place where we can be more responsible for the things that we should, some of us should have been doing, should have been responsible for. But thank God, God is a God of repentance and grace, amen? So what I'm saying is, it, sometimes we're in disagreement with God. And because we're in disagreement with God, we know he don't hear us. You could be praying for something and he's like, no, I don't, no. It was like the, the girl that I was with, the young lady I was with before I was with my wife, uh, I would go and pray. I prayed for a whole year. God is my wife. No. God is my wife. No. I put faith on it. God, I believe you. I believe you. I would go to church service. I was scared, scared to let her go because there was a lot going on. There was a lot going on with her self-esteem and all this other stuff. And I tried it before. and I knew I didn't supposed to be with her. I was too weak when I first got saved to let her go and all that kind of stuff. I'll tell y'all story that another time. Um, but it was, it, was, it was like, man, you know what? I, I don't know, I don't know what you know, to do because I would go to God and I would try to use my faith to switch his desire. Couldn't switch his desire. Faith don't change his will. Faith aligns you with his will. Faith aligns us with what he already has planned, with what heaven already wants to do. It releases the will of the kingdom, as we've talked about before. His kingdom is attached to his will. They are connected. So the kingdom, if we're living from a kingdom perspective, we have to begin to let go of what we feel like is right sometimes and say, you know what? I'm going to go according to what you say, God. According to your time. And this is difficult for us. But we know when we do ask that, when we do have those petitions that line up with his will, we know we have the petitions that we have desired of him. So I want to encourage you today to check your agreement. It becomes very easy to to say, well, that's just how this person is, and that's just this, this, that, you know. But if we're in disagreement, even with your differences, if you're in disagreement with the church, even with your differences, because you feel like, well, you're different than this person and that person, you know, or somebody may have done something to you or something like that, or done something to your child, or, or something that you still holding, you know, that causes, uh, apprehensiveness to be open 
or maybe there's a disagreement with God because you feel like he has let you down in so many other places that I don't want to be too open to him or his people. I'll be open just enough because, you know, I know I need him, but, you know, I don't really want to give myself. That's a, that's a disagreement that it holds up your life. It cancels out things. It binds up different things. And the enemy, he, he comes and puts things into chains. He binds us up behind these things. Because we don't deal with the disagreement in us first. In us that we have about other people. The disagreement sometimes ain't even about the issues. It's about us. It's in us. I don't like certain things about what's going on. You know, but we just take it out on another person, right? I've been there. Sometimes my children have took that, you know, unknowingly. <laughs> sometimes they probably did know, but and there's times where I have come back and apologized, and there's times where I will come back. I explain stuff to them to the point where I feel like you know, I probably talk too much. But I want them to understand where I'm coming from. I give, I ask them questions. When I feel like you upset, tell me why. Why do you think that's right? Why do you think? Because I don't, mm -mm. I don't want the devil to come in between our relationship. I don't have. To, that's not me giving up my role as a parent. That's me actually chastising you or shaping you to where you need to go. Amen? Amen. So thank you, thank you, thank you for allowing us to come into your home today. I hope you got something out of this. I hope you're looking at, you know, the missing key that could be the next step of where you, you know, the things that we want out of life, the things that, that God wants to give us, uh, the things that God, you know, desires to release into our life. Um, that it could be the missing key, that we're just in disagreement with the people that we need to be in agreement with, that it's not focused, it's not strong, we're not firm on that agreement. Because we're not firm, prayers are hindered. I don't mean they're not heard. <laughs> the answers are hindered. Amen? Us getting our prayers up are hindered. I don't mean it's not the will of God. They're hindered. Amen? Amen. So, I just want to encourage you that you are the church. You are, I am, we are the church. We are the called out ones. Be, we don't just go to church. We are the church. Let's be the called out ones at home, on our jobs, in our families, you know, with our parents, with our children, with our, you know, let's be those called out ones. Really. Amen.